السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن وله قال ربي شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم زدنا علما All praise and thanks is due to Allah سبحانه وتعالى Peace and salutations upon Muhammad ibn Abdullah صلوات الله وسلامه عليه Peace and salutations upon his family, upon his friends and upon all those who try to emulate him until the end of times My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam Inshallah, in today's lesson, we will be looking at the second last companion of those that, of the ten that were guaranteed Jannah. And inshallah, we will be looking at the life of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. May Allah be pleased with him. He was the maternal uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he was also the first to shoot an arrow in the path of Allah azza wa jal. And... As mentioned previously that paradise, yani that Jannah, it is an expensive commodity. And Jannah is something that a Muslim yearns for, that he longs for. And a Muslim, a true believer, he will strive extremely hard. He will sacrifice many things so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can enter him into Jannah. And undoubtedly, the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they did exactly this. That the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they fought extremely hard. They sacrificed their lives. They sacrificed their wealth. They sacrificed their families to gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enter Jannatul Firdaus so that they can be amongst the Anbiya, they can be amongst the Prophets, they can be amongst the Shuhada and the Salihin. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those that can enter Jannah بغير حساب without any reckoning. And Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he was no different. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he guaranteed Sa'ad. He promised Sa'ad that Sa'ad was one of the ten that would guarantee Jannah. As we mentioned the hadith in the first week and the second week of our series. So his name and his lineage. He was Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, ibn Wuhayb, ibn Abd Manaf, ibn Zuhra, ibn Kilab, Abu Ishaq, Al-Qurashi Az-Zuhri. His father's name was Malik. He was one of the ten and the four runners to faith. Meaning one of the ten that were guaranteed Jannah. And he was of the four runners to faith. He participated in the battle of Badr. And he was the present at Hudaybiyah. He is also one of the six men, and we discussed this previously, of the committee of whom when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam left this world, they had to choose the next khalifa. His mother was Hamna bint Abi Sufyan, Ibn Umayyah, Ibn Abdul Shams, Ibn Abdul Manaf, Ibn Qusay. So it appears in Al-Isaba that his mother, Hamna bint Sufyan, Ibn Umayyah, the daughter of the paternal uncle of Abu Sufyan ibn Harb ibn Umayyah. So his mother was the daughter of the paternal uncle of Abu Sufyan ibn Harb ibn Umayyah. 
So how does his lineage meet with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam? It meets from both sides. It meets from the side of his mother and the side from his father. Kilab is the fifth forefather of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So from his father's side and the fourth forefather of Sa'd from his father's side as well. With regards to his mother's side, his lineage meets with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam at Qusay, the fourth forefather of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. From his father's side. And the fourth forefather of Sa'd from his mother's side. So we see that Sa'd meets the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam from the latter's mother of Amina. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's mother is Amina bint Wahab. Ibn Abdul Manaf ibn Zuhra. And on the other hand, Sa'd's grandfather is Wuhayb. And Wuhayb is the twin brother of Wahb. So making Malik, Sa'ad's father, the son of Amina's paternal uncle, making them cousins and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and Sa'ad were second cousins. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, each and every companion that we spoke about, this is now the ninth companion. We find that each of them met Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's lineage somewhere or another. And this shows us the close link that they did not just have with the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through Iman. This link is of the best links you can have. But also somehow through their family lineage they met with the forefathers of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He's agnomen. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he was known and he was famously known as Abu Ishaq and this was named after or given after his son Ishaq. His description, Imam al-Dhahabi, he describes him as being someone who was short in stature, with short legs. He was extremely tough. He had a large head, strong dry fingers, he had curly hair, he had been a lot of bodily He was brown in complexion and flat-nosed. Ibrahim ibn al-Mundir, he explains and he says that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, that Talha, Zubair and Ali radiyallahu an, they were all born in the same year, meaning they were all equal in age and Allah knows best. Let us have a look at his household and at meaning his wife and children. We're not going to go into too much details because they were quite a few. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he married quite a number of times, as many reports mentions, 11. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may he be pleased with him. He blessed Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas with plenty of children. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he grants those that do not have children, that he grants him children and those that has children that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them so that they can become the flag bearers of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas in the convoy of Iman. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas is one of the first to accept Islam. One of the first to accept Islam and to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He entered the faith at a very early age. 
Ibn Kathir rahimallahu ta'ala, he mentions that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he entered or he embraced Islam when he was about 17 years old. While Imam al-Zahabi rahimallah, he says that he was 19. Nevertheless, he was a teenager. He was extremely young. Imam al-Bukhari rahimallahu ta'ala, he mentions and from the sanad of Sa'ad, of Sa'id ibn al-Musayyab, who said that he heard Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas pronouncing, or that Sa'ad said that no one accepted Islam. On the day that I embraced Islam, I remained for seven days a third of Islam. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, a hadith comes to mind. And I would like us to pause and ponder for a moment. We see that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he entered into Islam, when he was in his teen ages. Some reports say 17, some say 19. And look at what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what he says about someone in his youth. And then look around us in today's time. Look at the situation of our youth, the situation of our young brothers and sisters in Islam. Yes, there's a lot of khair, there's a lot of good. But let us look at this hadith first of all and then we'll carry on. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he said that seven people, seven groups of people will be sheltered under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of qiyamah when there will be no shade. A just ruler, this is number one, a ruler that is just, he rules over his people with the Qur'an and with the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Number two, a young man or a young woman who passed his youth, they passed their youth in the worship and service of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, let us pause for a moment. What have we done in our young age? What have we done in our youth for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And each of us should answer this question ourselves and be honest. And if we find that we are married and we have children and we need to inculcate into our children, we need to encourage them that they need to be working for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from a young age. Because life is short. We don't know if we are going to live till 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. We don't know if we're going to live till an old age. So use your youth in the service of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that there are two things that people are very neglectful for. As-sihatu wal-faragh. He said a good health and free time. When we are young, we tend to have a lot of time and we waste time. Playing video games, playing this, doing this, going to this mall, going to this concert. There's nothing wrong with certain things. There's nothing wrong with having certain fun within the boundaries of the Sharia. No doubt. But also there needs to be a 
type of sacrifice that our youth gives for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then other groups that are mentioned in this hadith, number three, the one whose heart is attached to the masjid. Number four, two people who they love each other only for the sake of Allah azza wa jal. Number five, a man who is invited to sin, but he declines and he says, Inni Allah. He says that indeed, I fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number six, the one who spends in charity, his charity in secret without making a show, not doing things for riyah. Again, we live in a time, we live in a society where everything gets put onto Facebook. I built a masjid, I gave so much to this organization, I fed so many poor people, I'm taking a food hamper, let's take a selfie with the people. No. This is between you and Allah Azza wa Jal. And the last one is the one who remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in solitude. During those early hours of the morning, or wherever it might be alone and no one else knows, he's sitting in front of Allah Azza wa Jal and tears start to flow from his eyes because he remembers Allah Azza wa Jal. Ya Abdullah, Ya Amatullah. Oh my beloved brothers, oh my beloved sisters in Islam, the slaves of Allah Azza wa Jal. Remember this hadith. And the reason why we brought this hadith is a point number two. That a young man, a youth, that he spends his time in the worship and the obedience of Allah, in the service of Allah, he will be shaded under the shade of Allah when on the day of judgment when there is going to be no other shade. May Allah make us of those that when we stand in front of Allah, it will be a quick, a swift standing and that we will be entered into Jannah bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas was someone that he had a lot of composure. And no sooner when he accepted Islam do we find, like we found with the other companions, that the doors and the plots and trying to divert Sa'ad back to his old religion, it started to open up. His family and his relatives, they attempted to divert him away from his religion and prevent him from continuing to support Islam. They also decided not to give him money. They decided to cut off ties with him. However, when Iman enters the heart of a man or a woman with Siddiq, with sincerity, then we find that nothing will waver this person. Then we find that nothing is going to stop this person. And Sa'ad, he remained a pillar of Islam. He remained strong. He remained persevering. And through this, through every difficulty that he went across, he was someone that was firm on the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his family members that were not Muslim, they tried to persuade him. They had different attempts to waver him and try to move him back from the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But never for a moment did Sa'ad doubt his deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The last attempt, the last straw that they tried was that they introduced his mother into the equation. And Sa'ad, he was very fond of his mother. He loved his mother. He respected his mother dearly. And his mother spoke to him. And basically his mother said, or she announced, 
that I am going to abandon food and drink until Sa'ad returns back to the religion of his forefathers. Imagine, his mother's old. She's going to abandon food. She's going to abandon drink. She's going to go on a hunger strike. Until Sa'ad returns back. So she has an unbroken fast. And this continues and it continues. Until she becomes weak and she starts to meet her death. She's on the deathbed. And now she stares the face of death. And some of the family members, they grab Sa'ad. They said, come, you need to see your mother. And with that intention as well, they thought, you know, Sa'ad's heart will soften when they see his mother and he might come back. So Sa'ad, he goes and he sees the plight of his mother. And he sees that she's torturing herself. But his faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his support and his belief in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it surpassed everything else. It surpassed his family ties. And thus he informed her that if she had more than one life, each life was sacrificed after one of another. He would not, he would not abandon his religion of Islam. Ya Rabbana, Amazing. And before I move on to the next point, our Imam Al-Dhahabi rahimallahu ta'ala, Ibn Kathir and others, they mention that Sa'ad, Ibn Abi Waqas Afwan, there was a particular verse that was revealed regarding Sa'ad. And Allah says, وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ husna." And we have enjoined upon mankind goodness to the parents. Allah says, وَالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا In other verses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He speaks about Himself, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاوْ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانًا so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Bani Israel, when he speaks about Tawheed, he speaks about the oneness, immediately afterwards he says, and be good to your parents. When Luqman advises his son, he says, be good to your parents. Here we see again, Allah says, وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ husna," And we have enjoined upon mankind goodness or men to be good to their parents. وَإِنْ جَاهَدَاكَ but if they endeavor لِتُشْرِكَ بِمَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِهِ عِلْمٍ To make you associate with me that which you have no knowledge of فَلَا تُطِعُمَا Then do not obey them. And this is the lesson that I would like to come to. That when our parents, they tell us to disobey Allah Azza wa Jal, they command us to do things that are contrary to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then with adab, with respect, we will explain to them what the correct methodology is, what the proper teachings of Islam is, with adab and with respect. But we will refrain from doing it. As Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and I've mentioned this hadith more than once, لا طاعة المخلوق إلى معصية الخالق That there is no obedience to the creation in disobedience to the creator. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, 
that look Nabi Ibrahim as well. Look at the relationship he had with his father. But when he called his father to Islam, he told his father, this is where I, if you don't embrace Islam, this is where we will go out different ways. I will still honor you. I will still respect you. He even went to the effect that he wanted to make istighfar for his father until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed him that you cannot make istighfar for a non-believer, meaning you cannot make dua that they enter Jannah, etc. But the point is, and this is something important, again, for our youth, that sometimes you are going to be religious. Sometimes you are going to face difficulties within your household. But be firm. And to the parents as well. If you maybe chose a path and your children have chosen the correct path. Don't make things difficult for them. If they want to get married at a young age, let them get married. Assist them. If the sister wants to wear a scarf and she's young, let her wear the scarf. Don't put obstacles in front of her. It is tough enough for them to be out there. To follow the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the current situation that we find ourselves in. With what's happening in schools. Bombarded with all types of foreign ideologies. But yet when they come home to the safe haven, then we still find it okay to make things more hard for them. Um, why must you wear hijab? Why must you grow beard? You don't need to wake up for fajr. Fajr in summer is at 4 a.m. It's early. It's fine. Sleep. You can make fajr when you wake up. Sometimes it's Ramadan. You're writing matric exams. You're writing your final university exams. It's fine. You can make qada of this. No. These are the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should وَتَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْبِرِّ وَالتَّقْوَى As Allah says وَلَا تَعَاوَنُوا عَلَى الْإِثْمِ وَالْعُدَوَانِ And help and assist each other to that which is good which has piety in it and do not help and assist each other to that which is evil and wrong. So Imam Muslim rahimahullah he narrates from Mus'ab ibn Sa'd that he narrates from his father that many verses of the Quran were revealed concerning him. And the mother of Sa'ad, she swore that she will never speak to him until he rejects his religion and she will neither eat nor drink. She said, I believe that Allah commanded you to display kindness to your parents and I am your your mother and I am commanding you with this. So he continues, and she remained for three days in the state until she fell unconscious due to this difficulty. So one of the sons, Umara, he stood up and he gave her something to drink. She began cursing Sa'ad. Upon this, Allah revealed the verse in the Quran that we have enjoined upon man goodness to his parents. But if they endeavor to make you associate with me, then do not obey them. And also in another verse, but kind, by accompany them in this world with appropriate kindness. But with a condition that they do not make you do anything which is against Allah and His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this is another lesson and another sign from the life of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas of his determination in the face of hardships. And it was manifested in the boycott of the Muslims in the gorge of Abu Talib. 
Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas was among those who were boycotted and the Nabi sallallahu with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the other Muslims but they remained steadfast during these trying times. Abu Nu'aym he mentions in Hilyatul Awliya and he says that Sa'd he said that we were a nation afflicted with the challenges and hardship of life with the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This sounds almost like the life that we are going through today. This sounds exactly like our lives. We are a nation that is afflicted with challenges. We are a nation that is going through hardship during our lives. But he says that when the calamity befell us, we recognized it so we persevered and we endured it. Calamities are going to come. We are going to be tested. وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ That indeed and most definitely you will be tested. مِنَ الْخَوْفِ With some sort of fear. وَالْجُوعِ and hunger. وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ شَيْءٍ مِّنَ الْخَوْفِ وَالْجُوعِ وَنَقْسٍ مِّنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ And you're going to be tested with a lack of food, with a lack of clothing. You're going to be tested with loved ones being lost. But glad tidings to the one that has patience. Glad tidings to the one that has sabr. Because indeed everything comes from Allah and everything is going to return to Allah. So he recognized that they need to persevere. And he said that I remember myself with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam one day in Mecca. And I had to go out during the evening to relieve myself. And when whilst I was busy relieving myself, I suddenly heard an echoing of sound under my urine and I found that there was a piece of hide of a camel. So after when I was done, I washed myself, I took this piece, I cleaned it, sterilized it, etc. And then I burnt it. And then I placed between two rocks I placed it between two rocks and I crushed it. And then I swallowed and I drank the liquid from it just to gain strength for three days. There was no food, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. There was no water. Water that's an essential that we take for granted. They never had this. And all of this was for what? So that Islam could reach us today. So that we could be those people that worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Utbah. Ibn Ghazawan, he tells us another incident of the difficulties that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas and the other Sahaba they had to go through. Narrated by Imam Muslim. He said that I remember myself as one of seven with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We had no food besides the trees of the leaves until our flanks became lean. I found a shawl, so I split it in half between myself and Sa'ad ibn Malik, using half as a lower garment, while Sa'ad used the other half for himself. Today, each of us have become a leader of a city. So here he's showing us the difficulty and then he says, but you know, my beloved brothers and sisters, through our sacrifice, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has honored us. He has given us leadership. But if you are not going to sacrifice for the deen, if you are not going to go back 
to the way the Prophet sallallahu taught us this deen. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to honor us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Ali Imran, وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives izzah to whomsoever He wills. He will raise a community. وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ And He can disgrace a community. He can put people down. So follow the orders of Allah. Follow the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The virtues of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. Abu Nu'aym, he mentions some of the virtues of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas and he says, as with regards to Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he entered the fold very early. His affair bank began facing difficulties and bearing afflictions that we discussed. Along with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Mecca, he was bearing the burdens of separating from his family and wealth and this was easy for him after his heart became connected and he tasted the sweetness of Iman. He was distinctive with acceptance when asking and besieging. Thereafter he was tested in the condition of leadership and politics and he was trialed with the office of gatekeeping and guarding. Allah Azza wa Jal opened at his hands the fields and cities and he was blessed with a number of offspring. Thereafter he turned away from administration and authority and he gave preference to seclusion and self-consideration. Again, sometimes we need to take a step back, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam. Life becomes too hectic. You know, often you hear people comes to November, comes to December and they will say, you know, we just feel we we need to rest. We need a break. We just need to go somewhere. We just need to unwind. So like that, there needs to come certain times in our lives where we need to seclude ourselves, where we need to have the time alone, whether it's with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Qur'an, whether it's with the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whether it's reading the sunnah, whether it's making athkar, whether it's pondering over the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there needs to be a time where we need to be alone. And with current situations that we find ourselves in, we need to go through this. We need to relax a bit. We need to take a step back and spend time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like we don't do other times. Secondly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives us certain iman boosters for this. For example, the month of Ramadan. For example, the 10 days of the Hijjah. Example, Muharram is coming up fast on the 9th and the 10th of Muharram. And like this, Allah azza wa jal, He gives us certain times as well so that we can just take a step back in life. And therefore, Sa'ad, he was a leader of for the one afflicted in his condition with various difficulties and he was a proof for the one who fortifies himself with solitude and he detaches himself from this dunya. He proved to us that you can still lead people, you can still have a good life, but do not associate yourself, do not attach yourself to this dunya. 
Yes, take from the dunya. Make dua, Rabbana atina. Oh Allah, give us from this dunya, grant us good in this dunya and the akhirah. But never let this dunya enter our hearts. Imam al-Zahabi rahimallahu ta'ala, he mentions that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas is responsible for transmitting a number of ahadith. Fifteen of his transmissions are documented in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari. And Sahih Muslim. While Bukhari alone mentions another five and Muslim alone another eighteen. Ibn Hajar, he mentions that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, he, is one, or he was one of the six of the committee selected by Umar. His prayers were instantaneously answered, which we will touch on later. And he was famous for this. He was one of the horsemen of the Quraysh who would guard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam during the battles. And he developed Kufa. He shouldered the responsibility to fight the Persians and Allah brought the conquest of Qadisiyah at his hands. He was the governor of Kufa during the reign of Umar ibn Khattab. Umar then dismissed him. Then he reinstated him and then he dismissed him again. Umar said during the last of his sickness, its guardian is Sa'ad. Take this or else the governor would seek assistance from him. I did not dismiss Sa'ad due to any inability or breach of trust. His virtues are plenty. Um, As-Safdi, he describes Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas as one of the ten who were promised Jannah and one of the six men of the committee. He is one of the forebearers of Islam. He is the forerunners of Islam. He witnessed Badr and all the campaigns and is the first individual to shoot an arrow in the path of Allah. He caught two captives in the battle of Badr and remained steadfast during the battle of Uhud. He is one of Rasulullah wasallam's maternal uncles. His prayers were readily answered. He is called the Wasman of Islam. He led the armies in conquest of Iraq. He made hijrah to Medina before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam's arrival. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's love for Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, his supplication in his favor and promising him Jannah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he loved Sa'ad dearly for he observed the latter's excellent character and his possessiveness and sincerity for the religion of Islam. Sa'ad would praise him abundantly and supplicate for his goodness. Imam al-Bukhari rahimallahu ta'ala, he narrates from Aisha bint Sa'ad that her father said, I fell extremely ill in Makkah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he came to me and he visited me. I said, O Messenger of Allah, I leave behind plenty of wealth. So this is Sa'ad speaking. He's ill. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa comes to visit him. He says that, O Messenger of Allah, I leave plenty of wealth and only one daughter survives me. So may I bequeath two-thirds of my wealth and leave a third. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he replied in the negative. He, so I said, so may I bequeath half and leave half. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa replied, No. So I said, I bequeath a third and I leave two-thirds for her. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he agreed and he said, 
a third, although a third is much. He then placed his hand on my forehead and he passed his hand over my face and stomach and he prayed. Ya Allah, he said, O Allah, cure Sa'd and make his hijrah complete. I continue feeling its coolness on my liver, what appears to me until this moment. Subhanallah. Imagine. Ya Rabbana lakal That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he makes dua for you. He rubs his hands over you. And through the will and the grace of Allah, he gets cured. And he says, up until today, I feel the coolness on my liver. MashaAllah. Imam Muslim, rahimallahu ta'ala, he narrates in his sahih that the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that he entered the presence of Sa'ad to visit him in Mecca. And Sa'ad cried, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet asked him, why are you crying? Oh Sa'ad, what makes you cry? He says that I feel that I will pass away in a land I immigrated to from. Just as Sa'ad ibn Khawla passed away, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Ya Allah, kyo Sa'ad, Ya Allah, kyo Sa'ad, Ya Allah, kyo Sa'ad. He said this three times and Sa'ad was cured. Indeed, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he had a long history with good fortune. And indeed, Allah had given him a share from his name. It was known as Sa'ad, the good fortune. Afwa. <coughs> And sufficient for him is that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is supplicated in his favor. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he praised him and he supplicated for Sa'ad. And this was not the limit of this. Sa'ad or Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam rather, but he further promised him Jannah on the strength of divine revelation. He congratulated his endeavors and repaid him for his sincerity. Ibn Hibban narrates in his As-Sahih from Umar, from Ibn Umar, that he says that we were sitting with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, a man from the inhabitants of Jannah will enter upon you from this door. Each of us desired that it be someone from his household and suddenly it was Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas who appeared on the scene. So here again, guaranteed him Jannah. And the famous one that... We, comes up every lesson in the series, the ten that were guaranteed, Jannah, which is found in the Jami' of Imam At-Tirmidhi, rahimallahu ta'ala. So these narrations are the utmost superior indications to prove that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas in this world and the year after, that they were the best of people. That Allah has given them the best in this dunya and the best in the akhirah, which is Jannah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that may my parents be sacrificed for you, O Sa'ad. One of the most outstanding distinctions of Sa'ad is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that may my father and mother be sacrificed for you. This, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, what a great honor. Imagine Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, khayru khalq, the best of creation. He says to you that may my parents be sacrificed for you, O Sa'ad. Ya Rabbana lakal We always and we often hear the companions, right? And the ulama of this ummah and the Muslims in general, that may our parents be sacrificed for you, O Allah, for the deen of your religion and for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but here's the opposite here Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he tells Sa'ad that may my parents be sacrificed for you Imam al-Bukhari he narrates this 
via Yisanad from Abdullah ibn Shaddad who said that I heard Ali radiyallahu an saying I have never seen the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam announcing the sacrifice for a person this sacrifice of his parents for the person after Sa'ad and I heard him shout that shoot may my father and mother be sacrificed for you Imam Muslim he reports in his sahih from Amir ibn Sa'ad from his father that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said May my parents be sacrificed for you on the day of Uhud. And this, right? So he says that, when was this? This was on the day of Uhud. So what happened? A man from the polytheists, from the Mushikun, was wreaking havoc amongst the Muslims. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi he said to Sa'ad, he said, shoot, may my father and mother be sacrificed for you. He continues, and so I pulled out an arrow, having no arrow head, and shot him in his flank. He fell to the ground. And his private area became exposed. Seeing this Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he giggled until he, I could see his molars. Abdul Razak, he reports in his Musannaf that Aisha radiallahu anha, the daughter of Sa'ad, she would boast and she would say that indeed I am the daughter of an muhajir, of an immigrant. For who Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam announced that may my parents be sacrificed for you and this was on the day of Uhud. Sa'ad, he witnessed the angels or angels on the day of Uhud. One of the miracles of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas which Allah azza wa jal favored him with is that he saw angels fighting in the battle of Uhud as well. Imam Muslim Fire his sanad from Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas who recalls that he says on the day of Uhud I saw on the right and the left flank of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam two men wearing white clothes whom I neither saw before nor after that. Yani he says Jibreel and Mikail. The next important point I would like to look at is that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas that he was mustajab ad-da'wah. His du'as were readily answered. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us of those as well. That when we call unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he answers our du'as. That we should not be of those that... And we ask Allah azza wa jal to not make us of those that when we make du'a, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not answer our du'as readily. And this is probably one of the greatest virtues of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. That his prayers could be answered immediately or it was readily accepted by Allah Azza wa Jal. In Tahdeeb al-Kamal, there is a narration that says that Sa'ad's supplications were readily answered and he was recognized for this. This came after Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made dua for him and said, Ya Allah! Oh Allah, guide his shot in the right direction and answer his supplications. Al-Hakim, he reports from Aisha bin Sa'ad that she says that her father reported what her father told her. Or he said, he mentioned that when the people wandered away from the messenger that time during the battle of Uhud, I went aside and I said that I will protect myself. Either I am martyred or 
either survive and meet Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And just then, I suddenly spotted a man whose face was covered, totally unaware of who he is. At the same time, the polytheists, the mushrikun, they advanced in his direction. And I said, they are after him. The veiled man fills his hands with pebbles and he throws it at their faces. They retreat backwards until they reach a mountain. He did this several times. And all this time I was completely ignorant of the man or who the man was. Between me and the man stood Miqdad ibn al-Aswad. Just as I was about to ask Miqdad about the man, he shouted, Sa'ad, this is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam calling you. Where is he? I panicked and I pointed right. And he pointed right in, my, in the man's direction. I stood up spontaneously as if I was experiencing no pain. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked, Where were you the whole day, O Sa'ad? I indicated to the spot where, from where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was and where I saw him. He sat in front of me and I began shooting arrows and praying. Oh Allah, it is your arrow, so let it hit your enemy. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the other hand began supplicating and he said, Oh Allah, answer Sa'ad's prayers. Oh Allah, guide Sa'ad's arrow. Shoot Sa'ad. May my parents be sacrificed for you. Imagine the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he makes dua for you. He says, Oh Allah, accept his duas, Ya Rabb. The dua of the Anbiya is accepted. Oh Allah, accept these du'as. Accept the du'as of Sa'ad. And the du'as of Sa'ad was accepted. Oh Allah, guide his arrows and he says to Sa'ad, shoot. And Sa'ad shoots. Sa'ad says that when all the arrows in my quiver were finished, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa emptied out his quiver and handed to me a glowing arrow. It had been feathered and inflicted more pain than the others. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas was recognized by his brothers and associates as one whose praise was like a sharp sword. He also realized this. He never cursed anyone except that the person's affair was handed to Allah. And when he cursed, there was valid reasons for cursing. Some of this evidence of Allah accepting his supplications is what I'm going to explain in the next few moments. Imam al-Dhahabi, he narrates in or from his sanad from Qabisa ibn Jabir, who relates that one of the, our cousins sarcastically commented about him on the day of Qadisiyah. Have you not seen how Allah sent his help while Sa'ad was holding the door of Qadisiyah? Meaning he did not actively participate in the fighting. We celebrated at a time when numerous women had been widowed, but not one woman of Sa'ad was a widow. When this reached Sa'ad, he said, O oh Allah, cut his tongue and a hand from me. Cut his tongue as well as his hand from me. An arrow came and struck this man in his mouth, which resulted in him becoming dumb and struck him in his hand. And this injured him during the course of the battle as well. Imam al-Bukhari rahimallahu ta'ala via his sanad from Jabir ibn Samura. He says that the people of Kufa complained about Sa'ad to Umar. So Umar dismissed him and appointed over them Ammar. They complained 
and even mentioned that he does not perform salah properly. Umar summoned him and said, Oh Abu Ishaq, the people feel that you do not perform salah properly. Abu Ishaq, yani this was sad. He replied, Well by Allah, I would lead them in salah the way Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would without any deficiency. Whilst performing the Salatul Isha, I would lengthen the first two raka'at and I would shorten the last two. Umar said, this is what they suspect you of. Oh Abu Ishaq, so he sent with him a man or a few men to Kufa who asked the people of Kufa about him. They did not leave any masjid out but they asked him about him and the people praised him duly. Until finally he entered the masjid of Panu Abs where a man from amongst them stood up by the name of Usama ibn Qatada, with the agnimum of Abu Sa'da. And he said, since you have adjured us, Sa'd did not participate in jihad. He did not divide the spoils equally. He did not judge fairly. Sa'd said, by Allah, I will make three prayers. O Allah, if the servant of yours is a liar who has stood up out of the ostentation and show then prolong his life and his poverty and afflict him with trials thereafter he would be questioned he would say I am an old man afflicted with trials and overtaken by the curse of Sa'ad and this reminds me again my beloved brothers and sisters of a hadith okay let's mention let's first move a bit I will mention the hadith later on Abdul Malik, he says that I saw him thereafter. His eyebrows were, had covered his eyes as a result of extreme old age. He would walk aimlessly following young girls in the street winking at them. Mus'ab ibn Sa'd, he reports that a man insulted Ali radiallahu an in the presence of Sa'd. Sa'd prevented him, but he did not stop. So Sa'd cursed him. It was not long before a while not long before that a wild runaway camel rushed in and stamped the man to death. Imam al-Zahabi, he reports from Ibn Musayyab that a man began to pass nasty remarks about Ali Talha ibn Zubayr. Sa'ad prohibited the man saying, Do not speak evil about my brothers, but the man insisted. So he spoke evil about Talha, he spoke evil about Zubair, and he spoke evil about Ali radiallahu an. So Sa'ad explained to him, please do not speak evil about my brothers. Also, these are the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ali is the son-in-law <coughs> of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the man still insisted. So Sa'ad, he performed two raka'ats of salah and he prayed. A bukhti camel came in and suddenly this camel just, yani he appeared. And he ran through the people, he lifted the man from the floor and then placed him between the mill and the earth and crushed him to death. Thereafter, he said that I saw people walking behind Sa'ad saying congratulations to you, Ya Aba Ishaq. Your supplication was answered. Imam al-Zahabi rahimallahu ta'ala, he comments, this is a miracle jointly shared by the supplicator and those who were criticized. My beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, this brings to me, or this brings forth a hadith. A hadith in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam informs us of the dua of the oppressed 
And he says, beware of the dua of the oppressed. Because verily between the one that is oppressed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no hijab. There is no veil. These du'as of these are going to get accepted. You might not, it might not happen now. You might not see it. But in the future it's going to happen. So also beware what you make du'a for against someone. It does not be, oh Allah, that he break his leg and subhanAllah, man breaks his leg, loses his life, etc. This is the one point I would like to make. The second point I would like to make is look at these two narrations. The one he stands up for Ali, the other one he stands up for Ali, Talha and Zubair. This in itself shows us the mutual love and respect that they had for one another. That the Sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that they held. And the love that the Sahaba had for the Ahlul Bayt. Again, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, never be fooled. Never ever think that there was animosity amongst them. That they had hatred. That the companions never loved the Ahlul Bayt. That the Ahlul Bayt never loved the companions. And we are heading into a season. We are heading into a time that during the first few days of Muharram and the month of Muharram, then we find that we f- there's a campaign against the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Against certain companions more than others. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to never allow us to be of those people that speaks ill of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Saad's, he possessed extreme love for the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His greatest hope was to sacrifice his love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and present his neck to be cut off in the way of Islam, in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ibn Hajar rahimallahu ta'ala in At-Tahdeeb, he mentions that Sa'ad was one of the knights of Quraysh who would guard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on his expeditions. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas was the first marksman in Islam. He loved to fight from a young age. He would stick feathers to the arrows and design arrows during the period of ignorance. When Islam came, he became one of the proficient marksmen, the strong riders and the eminent brave leaders. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they recognized these great qualities of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas as well. He is amongst the most muscular companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and he would never miss his target when he shot at someone during battle. Moreover, when he supplicated to Allah in earnest, his prayers would be granted. Ibn Ishaq says, the toughest companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam were four. They were Umar ibn, Abi Kh- Umar ibn Khattab. They were Ali ibn Abi Talib. Zubair ibn Awam. And Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas. Sa'ad participated in all the campaigns alongside Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he was the first to shoot an arrow in the path of Allah. He was referred to as the Knight of Islam. Ibn Kathir, he confirms this and he says that Sa'ad immigrated and witnessed Badr and all the subsequent battles. He is the first to shoot an arrow in the way of Allah. He was 
a courageous horseman from the leaders appointed by Rasulullah in the days of As-Siddiq. He was honored to a great extent and similarly in the days of Umar. And the last point that we would like to look at is the demise of Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas, he passed away in his house or his home in Aqiq, which is 10 miles away from Medina. He was carried to Medina on the necks of men buried in Baqi. This took place in the year 55 of the Hijrah. Marwan ibn Hakam led his Janazah Salah, Muawiyah's governor over Medina at the time. Sa'd had passed the age of 70 when he passed on. He lost his eyesight prior to that. This is what Muhammad ibn Umar said about his demise. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us understanding that these lessons, my beloved brothers, and we will elaborate more on this in our final week, which will be next week, that there are many benefits to take from this and we will go into more detail when we finish our last companion. And the last of the companions which we will look at next week is Saeed ibn Zaid, the fortunate one in this world and the year after. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our shortcomings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us success. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant those that have passed away Jannatul Fidos and those that are ill that Allah grants them shifa. صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أستغفرك وأتوب إليك